Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Well, welcome to another episode of Brewing with BIM. What's up, David? Hey, not much, Joe. It's uh, nice to see your face again, man. It's been, what, like three weeks? Yeah, it's, it's been a hot minute, man. It's It's been quite a bit. Um, yeah. Before we get, get to, uh, you know, dive in too much, man, what are you drinking? Oh, today I have uh, something that you're going to love, I promise you. So today I'm drinking the Widmer Brothers Supervisin'. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the supervising. It's got goji berry, acai berry, golden berry, blueberry, and black carrot, ginseng, and wheat. Is it acai or is it acai? acai? As the acai. hipsters say, acai. <laughs> I don't know. I'll probably just I'm just gonna pronounce it acai until it's somebody. It's an acai berry. It's an acai berry. Okay. The, the Texan in me comes. It's an acai berry. Okay. Going. What about so, you? What are you drinking on? I'm drinking a mixture here. I've got the last of my. I was saving this for our podcast. Uh, it's Elvis juice. I had it on the podcast before. Just a big fan. It's uh you know dreamed up in Scotland, but it's brewed right here in Ohio. Um, it's a you know grapefruit IPA, which I'm always a fan of. Love it. Yep. It's delicious. Um, and then I've got an, another one of my regulars here. I've got the uh, blood orange IPA. I haven't been you know traveling obviously, so I haven't. Um, Straight too far from my my uh, my uh, uh, area of, of beer vendors, so Dude. I, I pick what I pick what I pick, man. If I'm honest, um, I've had this beer in my fridge for uh, probably about four weeks, three or four weeks. It's kind of just been chilling there, and I've been looking at it like, do I really want to drink that? I don't know. Like I bought this mix and match, and I bought these to try it, and then. So, it's it's a it's a different beer, believe me. It's a different kind of beer, and it's it's just been one of those that's been like, I don't want that one today. I just you know I'll I'll take a I'll take an apocalypse IPA or I'm good with not drinking today. I'm just cool, you know. <laughs> but today I was like, I gotta have a beer, and we're gonna do this. Yeah. <laughs> gonna power through well, with these. Well, so you mentioned four weeks ago you bought this. That's about the time we started this awesome 75 hard challenge, which if uh, our listeners can tell we did not make it 75 days, but but, but for me, it wasn't, I don't think it was lack of willpower because I did everything except for the alcohol to a T um, for a while, uh, for the first week rather. Uh, but, but for me, it, it came down to shit, the weather's nice. I'm working on my deck. I really just want a beer in my hand. Like I just, I need something refreshing to, relax on you know i got a hammock and i'm watching the kids outside or something I'm like give me a damn beer you know yep. so that's that's what uh caved me man what was your ultimate demise oh man you know a little bit of both i guess it was 
I, I get four kids, you know, and I'm working out on the greenhouse. Or, <laughs> I'll make you want to drink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I need a break. Oh, man, there's a beer in the fridge. And, of course, Adrian, you know, she's she's sitting next to me, and she's got a beer open. And I look at her, and she's like, I'm not on your diet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love ah, so your wife, uh, I don't know if you uh, know this, there's a song by a band called The Calling called Adrian. Has she ever heard it? I don't think so. Uh, I'll have to ask her. Give it a Google after this, man, and play it for her. It is, it's a great song. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, it's called Adrian, and it's by a band called The Calling. The Calling. Okay. All right. Yeah. They have a song called that was very popular called Wherever You Will Go or something like that. That was pretty popular. I just remember, like um, – High school or just after high school, going down to the community pool, there was this lifeguard there that had a crush on her. name was Adrian. <laughs> I'd be jamming this damn song. I'm like, hey, Adrian. Like, yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Adrian Kruger. That's you know, you're still hot. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> I'm married. Wife's upstairs. Love you. Love you. Um, anyways, uh so the whole 75 hard thing, man, did you have any good takeaways? Because for oh, me, I, I think I had a few. I mean, definitely. I, I, I've, I've been on this path of like self-improvement for a while. You know, we've been doing this for a while in, in terms of trying to figure out how to make ourselves better, you know. And again, we tried that stoicism. We tried journaling, which is, you know, didn't really work out all the way just because of how – my life is right now, but there's always key takeaways, right? With anything that you try and really with the 75 hard, I, I liked the, um, the reading a book at least 10 pages a day. Like you realize it's really not that hard to do. And it's great to kind of get into these books because you, you, you say you're only going to do 10 pages, right? But next thing you know, you're 162 pages in and like, oh, man, this is awesome. Like, oh, crap, it's 1130, though. I got to get to bed, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, you know, I, I, I realized um, that uh, the drinking water when I was actively trying to think about it was actually harder than when I wasn't really, you know, I have my water cup and I make sure it's full and then I just kind of, you know, do that. Well, I realized that I'm like, man, am I drinking enough water? Am I drinking enough water? Am I drinking enough water? It was actually kind of instilled in me already from the army, so <laughs> it wasn't really too bad. But it was a little bit different to think about, right? Um, like you're actively like, man, how much is in here? Do How many of this do I need to get one gallon? But other than that, dude, yeah, it was great. Um, now, the working out twice a day for 45 minutes – that one was hard for me, though. I'm not going to lie. Like at first it was cool because I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do a 45-minute walk in the morning, and then I'll do one you know, during lunch or right after work. But it, I, it got pushed. I could see that the more that I was working, I was like, I, I really need to stay in during lunch and do this. And then I was on the greenhouse project, and I'm like, ah, it's really nice outside, and I really want to get this done. It's been raining for the past three days. I got to make some progress, you know, and sometimes that's just life. But – there's other key things still there for me, like reading. Hey, it's raining. I got a little more, more time to read this book. Well, you live in Oregon, man. You're going to have plenty of time to read. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. always raining. Actually, someone told me that it rains here in Pittsburgh almost as much as it rains, or as much as it rains in Seattle. So, I don't know, man. We'll see. Maybe I'll have some time, too. Yeah. Um, One big thing I do notice, though, is we don't really get the Midwest thunderstorms. 
you don't get those. You there's, know, no, like, there's no thunder. I, when I lived in Oregon, I didn't hear thunder maybe once in the six, seven years. Yep. It's crazy. Out there, it rocks your house. <laughs> I, was in, yeah. I was in Kansas City and I was staying in a hotel and I swear I just – I thought we were taking like incoming because the hotel shook. It shook. It scared the crap out of me. I jumped up out of the bed. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? And I'm like, I'm in the hotel. I got to open the curtain. I go, you know, and you're looking around like, what is, we're all good. Okay. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. So my kids hadn't heard uh, thunder and light and really seen lightning until um, we went to the Bahamas. I, I don't think it was maybe it was last year. Yeah, it was last year we were at the Bahamas, um, and we we had a stop in Houston, but we had a layover because uh, well, it was flight delayed um, to the next morning because of the thunder and lightning. My kids hadn't heard thunder and lightning until then, and I'm like, <laughs> shit, I grew up in Dallas, like north of Dallas. It was, yeah. I can sleep through a thunderstorm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not anymore, dude. It's yeah. crazy. Like I grew up in Indiana, Northwest Indiana, and there would be some of them like that would really wake you up. And you'd be a little nervous because of tornadoes, right? You got to know when it when it takes a turn, like the weather takes a turn, everybody's got to move. Like, oh, we got to yeah. we got to go down to the basement. <laughs> but <laughs> out here, I'm spoiled because it's like you don't pay attention to that anymore. It's like, oh, it's raining. It's a nice little pitter patter. It's not even a hard rain. Like it's just a you don't mist, get, man. Yeah, yeah, it's like a mist. Nice, nice kind of. You know, you don't get the torrential downpour yeah. or the like tropic rainstorms that you get in the Midwest. It's in, nuts. in Dallas, man, it'd be raining so hard your windshield wipers can't keep up. Mm-hmm. In Oregon, it's that um, Hawaii mist where it's just like in the air, just yeah, misting. Yep. And I'm like, oh, this is refreshing. If it wasn't for the uh, like the downfall for Oregon is the uh, the gloom and doom. Oh. You know, the four months of like no sun, like that to yep. me. That was the hardest part about living there. And I don't really think it affected me too much outside of, you know, going to work and start and coming home and start. That sucks. Yep. yep. But get used to it. After yeah, I got to keep up on the vitamin D. That's it, man. <laughs> and you just got to get outfitted for it, I realize. Like, we got all the kids what we call puddle boots, you know. So we got them all puddle boots, got them rain jackets. Oh, yeah, dude. We'll walk, take walks and go for bike rides or go for a hike. Got them all, uh, like, these water shoes that we can use that are still good for hiking. The north side, I think they are. Fred Meyer has sails on them every once in a while, so I'm like, ah, oh, yes, here we go. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. I'm, I miss it. I do. I'm, I haven't really been able to settle Explore. in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, so we lived in um, hotels for the first two months when we lived here uh, till like September. Yep. And you know, we were you know going to New York and Texas and all that stuff while we were here, so we weren't really here. And then, uh, so September we're here, and then all of a sudden I'm on the road, like, nonstop, uh, every week except for, like, three weeks. And then when I am home, I'm just, like, doing home projects, and I'm still doing home projects. So I don't, I don't know, man. I feel like um, I haven't had the chance to settle in it, settle in it and explore. When I, when I moved to Oregon uh, and the job didn't work out and all that stuff, and we were debating if we were going to go back, I was like, well, shit, we got savings. Let's just stay here for a month yep. make our decision. We explored like no work, just literally out and about in the city, like you know, yeah, leisurely millennials with all the money in the world or something, just exploring the damn city, figuring out if this is the place (laughs) for us. And uh, it was, we loved it. It was great, except for you know the commute to family, but uh, it was great, man. But uh, anyways, man, uh, I want to get back to 75 Heart real quick because (laughs) I did have a key takeaway. Okay. And for me, 
you know, we've done, you know, read into the stoicism. We, you know, we did the um, uh, Marcus Aurelius book, uh, yep. uh, all that stuff. And the big thing for me, um, you know, outside of keeping up with reading and trying to drink more water and exercise and all that stuff, was just being more mindful, like more mindful about the things that I'm not doing and how much time I actually have. Because while I may not have enough time in the day to do two 45 minute exercises all the time, every day, I do have time for at least to do one 45 minutes. So five days a week, I'm still, as soon as I wake up, you know, as long as it's not like torrential downpour, you know, I'll go out and, you know, run around or walk around first thing in the morning. I got a pretty nice routine. I'll come down, I'll drink a, you know, 24 to 32 ounces of water, throw on the coffee pot, get my shoes on, and then I'm out the door, man. Yeah. 45 minutes later, I'm back in the door, uh, you know, drink some coffee, um, read, a, read a little bit of a book. Um, I've tried to start reading books again before all this happened, so it's pretty easily to attack me. But now I'm reading a book a week, man. I'm just like, nice. yeah, I'm like uh, six books in this year, and this is coming from a guy who didn't read anything last year or for like the past – so I graduated with my master's degree in, I don't know, like 2014 or something like that. Yep. I haven't really read a book since then. Like, yeah. So so now, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, well, shit, maybe I can read 50 books this year. That's my plan. I'm going to try and read 50 books. Hell yeah. See how it that's works. That's awesome. Yeah. Dude, my, my, whole, uh, my whole reading thing has completely changed uh, due to COVID. Um, I've been paying for Audible. Right. I, my big my biggest thing was audiobooks. We travel so much. I had I have quite a library of different audiobooks and I, I have that membership to where I get two or three books a month. So I've, I've been. Let me interrupt that? you real quick. Uh, yeah. You get two or three books a month. Yeah. I signed up for Audible. I only got like nine dollar credit or one dollar one book a month. This is like two years ago. Yeah, I got a, I've, I've signed up more recently and I, I listen to them when they, they used to give just one a month. But uh, I upgraded to a me- like this membership, and then I actually left Audible for a little while, and they offered me this membership where we get like two or three credits every month. And then they also send you like these um, Audible like free free listens, so you get to go through and choose some of the different books. And um, they almost have like little mini series on there too. Um, I've noticed they have you know being more mindful. They have like meditation listens yoga listens, different things like that now on Audible. It's awesome. You can download it all to your phone, uh, which I'm all about the mobile workouts, the mobile meditations, anyway, anything like that. But the, the thing has been lately, I'm not driving. I'm not traveling on an airplane or anything like that. I don't have yeah. time to really just pop that in and and you know and listen and, and, and cool where now it's like, okay, I need to be reading these books. I've been trying to concentrate. Like I got Kindle. <laughs> I got Kindle, so I'm, I'm actually using Kindle quite a bit more. Or um, I've, I've actually bought some hardback books. Like uh, the one where Adrian and I are reading right now is Parenting with Love and Logic, trying to kind of get through that and see what we can kind of take away and add to our parenting style from the book. You know, not going to use probably not going to use everything. But, you know, there are key takeaways, like we said, from from everything. And any book that you read can give you something, some kind of takeaway from it. Yeah. So, I mean, I've done I've gone through like sales trainings and gone through all kinds of stuff and, you know, read books. And there's, you know, everybody wants you to adapt their philosophies, all that sort of stuff. And and it's never like earth shattering. It's always like, well, I could do those two things. That makes my life a lot better. Yeah, I'll do that. That's fine. (laughs) 
and that's it. That's all. That's my big takeaway out of it. It's not, nothing yeah. revolutionary. No. But same thing with the, these books, man. Like, um, uh, so you mentioned, you know, the journals and stuff, right? Like, I was reading. Uh, it was, um, I think it was like Virgin Un- Unstripped or Virgin Naked or something like it. Virgin Bear. I think is what it was. But it was Richard Branson's one of his like his third book or something like that. And um, I bought all these books years ago and I just never read them. I got like a hundred books, hundred yeah. plus books that I just never read. So now I'm just finally like, fuck, I'm just gonna make time. I'm gonna get through them. I've got a stack right here of the next ones I'm gonna read. Uh, I'm finishing up like uh, the Challenger sale and then return right at Machu Picchu. It all cha- Machu Picchu. It all changes. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Like, I just I gotta change change it and figure it out. But anyways, the Richard Branson thing was the big takeaway for me was. You know, keep keep something um, that you can erase nearby, like a journal. Keep a journal uh, nearby that you can write in. Uh, I usually, you know, we're tethered to our phones. We keep this stuff pretty, you know, pretty close. But um, I, I use like Google Notes and, uh, you know, keep all that sort of stuff. For, um, yep. The thing is, when I'm done with something, I delete it. Yep. I can't go back to it later. I can't reference that. Um, so I don't know. There was something kind of profound about the Richard Branson thing. And it wasn't that he said to keep a journal nearby or anything like that. It was because he kept referencing his journals and he kept like, oh, I had this scribbled out. And like he had it like yep. something that he could go back to later on. It's like, man, I actually I really like that. I'd like to know what I was thinking about, you know, how I was yep. thinking about something, you know, 10 years ago or, you know, yep. 10 years, you know, Dude, t- 10 honestly, years from now, I look back. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think that kind of goes back into like what what we were kind of experimenting with with journaling, and um, not not just in in a sense of looking at your everyday because you know that's what we were looking at. You could you could write down your morning like what you wanted to do that day, what you did at night, and then you could kind of analyze it. But if you think about it in in that sense, it gives you the longevity to look back and say, you know what did I do here? What did I do there? Or how have I grown? Right. Yeah. And, and even then from me, I think about, you know, you could also write down your mistakes. You could also yeah. write down things that you learn and then you could, it's something to reference in the future. Like just look back and like, man, yeah, I'm right. You know, and, and it's just, it's, it's a good way to kind of, I don't know, find yourself, but also help, um, Kind of keep track of everything, your thoughts, and, and ways to better yourself. Yeah, I, I think that's really important. I think documenting things is great. I mean, you know, it's one thing to, you know, always record stuff with video because then you have a record of, of you know, what happened. That's yep. that's one thing, right? That's that's totally different. For me, what I want to do is I want to be able to document why I made a certain decision. So if there was something that happened, like I'm something I was thinking that day, something that was like, you know, kind of maybe not pivotal, but something that was bigger than a normal decision. I want to know why I thought that. I want to be able to go back, you know, five years from now and be like, oh shit, I did that. But why did I do that? Like, I want to be able to like sit down and be like, man, okay, this is what I was thinking. And be able to pull from that, be able to learn from that, grow from it. And compare myself against it and say, would I think like that today? No, but here's why I would not. And that whole uh, stoic journaling thing was a good experience. I think the the hardest part was analyzing, you know, at the end of every day, and then getting up every morning and and, and kind of doing the Trying lessons to start learned. New. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's like, it's always how am I going to fly? Yeah. Yep. And then you have to stay cognizant of that. So we are talking about staying mindful. You have to stay mindful of that all day. You really yeah. have to think about these things. And, and like, it's funny. My takeaway from a lot of that was um, controlling your emotions, not being reactionary, right? But learning and, and, and really adapting, right? Learning how to, um, again, adapt to, the, to every situation. And it's funny, but I'm trying to teach my kids that right now, right? Like, I know this is hard, but you cannot react in this way. You cannot react with these emotions. You need to think tactfully and how you think that you should react. And with my kids, you know, it's like they've been hitting them, each other and fighting it. Or Rose will just do something. Actually, uh, she took Gabriel's Pokemon book and oh, threw no. it in the pool. She threw it in the pool. Dude legit cried. He was so upset. He's like, my book. And I had to talk to her. Like, she was really upset. But I had to say, look, how did you make him feel? Like, no matter what he did to you, what he said, like, I, I get, I get it. But what you, the what you did there, what you chose to do right there, you need to look at how you're gonna make that other person feel. Yeah. Like that, you need to think about that before you do these things, not just use your anger or use your emotions and say, screw it, do this. Cause that lets your emotions control you. So my daughter's seven now. And I feel like we're having this conversation all too often. Yeah. Uh, she'll, you know, act out, you know, we watch, uh, my kids have horrible, um, record with, you know, screen time. They watch shit all the freaking time, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, this COVID shit didn't help, right? So we got the built-in babysitter for one kid while the other one's in school, yep. which is, again, screen time because they're learning on a computer. My wife's on a conference call. I'm down in my office trying to bang out some calls and some other yep. stuff. And um, so, anyways, we, we limit what they can watch on YouTube. Of course, you know, they like watching people open those little blind bags, all that stupid shit. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, they're always fighting over who gets first, you know, gets to watch their video first. They get 10 minutes each right before bed. That's it. Uh, I've, I've YouTube videos. And um, my daughter last night or night before last night threw a hissy fit, like just lost her shit. Like, what are you – this is my turn. I You know, he watched yesterday. And, like, I don't remember who watched yesterday. But the fact that you're having this attitude with me shows that you have something to learn. Yep. And anyway, she lost it. She flipped out and I was like, go upstairs. And then she flipped out yeah. even more. Uh, but the, the, the thing that got me more than anything, and I've never called my daughter this, my kids, I make sure they don't hear this word, but my daughter was upstairs saying, I feel like I'm such a loser. I feel like I'm such a loser. Dude, oh, broke my heart, dude. broke my heart. I'm like, where did you learn this? Like, I would never give you like that. So Kind of had to like, all right, well, get out of discipline mode, get get into like, all right, let's be logical. Let's, you yeah. know, you're talking about this love, love and logic book. Um, let's be logical about about this, you know, Dylan, you know, my daughter's Dylan. Um, yeah. You know, um, why were you acting like this? You know, you were behaving like a seven-year-old, and yes, that's that's fine. You're seven years old, but it's still not acceptable to act like that. So. Um, was that okay with you? She's like, no, it wasn't okay. I was like, but are you still my daughter? Do I still love you? Are you still a winner? Like, you're still an amazing kid. You had an outburst. I, I get angry. I yell at you. Yep. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, do I think I'm a loser? I said, no. Like, I'm like, I'm like, coach her. Yeah, like, yeah. 
just like, man, I, I can't believe like that that crosses a seven year old's mind. Like, there's shit today that you and I didn't think about that kids, yeah. you know, have to go through. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but anyways, man, this uh, is yeah. brewing with Bim. God damn it. So, uh, tangents, tangents, tangents. we're known for. Well, I don't think this was a tan. This is like just this is setup, guys. We're building, we're building. <laughs> nah, we'll get to it. We'll get to it when we get to it, guys. Oh. We'll talk about some BIM in a little bit. But, um, so we, we've taken like a three week hiatus, uh, and it's mostly my fault, so I apologize. Oh. Um, I just this deck, like it started with just replacing some deck boards, yeah. and then all of a sudden it's shit i got rot here uh oh these stairs are rotted like i've rebuilt everything man and, and maybe i'll get some photos up when it's all done i'm doing spindles and then i gotta do some stain hopefully i'll have uh, most of this done by the end of the week but um that's awesome but you know it's funny um actually tying into bim we can do it already right because i got my project my greenhouse project so um as some of you may know i've been um kind of reading or i had been I had finished it off, excuse me, but uh, I've been reading a book about aquaponics. I've gotten really interested in different ways of growing my own food, especially with COVID coming out. You know, I'm like, I've already, I've already, I guess, always had that kind of green thumb aspect where I wanted to grow my own food and wanted to provide for my family in that sense, right? But I started kind of looking into it, and it's this old shed we decided to turn into a greenhouse. We're like, what can we do with this? And, um, realizing like okay we got some shade from different trees we're probably going to need some light in here and we want to run this aquaponics setup which is going to have really a water holding tank some fish and then going to go through media beds you know things like that and we need some air pumps and you know an actual pump to push water into our grow beds so i decided to you know call out an electrician and say hey how much would it be to wire this thing up and sure enough I underbid. <laughs> I was I was underbidding, <laughs> and it came in uh, quite a bit what over what I thought it was going to be. So I've decided to reposition uh, and kind of <laughs> adapt what I have. Right. So I built this little. It was almost like a U-shaped fish containment tank out of uh, two by fours, and I got some pond plastic and kind of put everything together. Well. Since we weren't going to use that, I decided to take those apart, um, put some plywood on the bottom, and I'm going to use them as planters on the deck. Nice. Yeah, so that's my kind of next project. But the funny thing is, with these these projects, you start out thinking it's going to be so easy, and it's going to be quick. It's not going to cost me that much, right? No, no, we got this. And then next thing you know, you get into it, and you're like, whew, all right, how do I do this? This is kind of worse than I thought, but it's doable, right? It's still doable. Then you get you get more into it, and then you're like, all right, so now I'm really into this, and I just got to finish this out. <laughs> That's exactly what happened, man. I was uh, like 300 bucks into the deck. I replaced some old rotted deck boards with um, uh, some, you know, composite, and uh, I was like, all right, I'll just you know drop these boards down, then I'll restain the deck. It'll be good to go. Uh, we get into it and we realize, you know, I'm pulling off all these boards and I finally start to look at the structure of this thing and I'm like, yeah, I don't think this is going to work. Uh, <laughs> so I started moving stuff around and then I realized, oh shit, like there's like six screws holding in these stairs. My stairs go all the way up. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, you know, a full, 
you know, yeah, get, goes all the way to the sec. So my, my, my back of my house is a walkout basement, oh, okay. um, walks out ground level. So my deck is technically second floor. Oh, okay, so yeah. The, yeah, yours is the it's same. It's mine too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. going to say my stairs go straight up. Yep. Yeah. So my stairs were straight up, um, but I had no post underneath the stairs oh. and they were old and rotted. So the only thing that's holding the stairs up is the weight of the stairs against the, the deck uh, itself. The deck itself. <laughs> and that, there's like six screws in it or something like that. And not, we're not talking structural. We're not talking yeah. lag bolts. There's screws. They were deck screws. That's awesome. Uh, half rotted through, you know. Yeah. It, my house was built in 98. That, that wood's original to the house. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and it hasn't been stained once since the original, I guarantee you. Like, the, the people that lived here before me, I think, were the original owners, and they had no sense of maintenance or upkeep. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I started looking at that shit, and I'm like, huh, this isn't going to work anymore. Yep. So I sank, you know, uh, six new posts. I actually built a landing so it goes down and then uh, there's a landing and then it comes out to the yard. Okay. Yeah. So we're like repositioning all that stuff, messing with the structure. The, um, there's some two by sixes that hold up. Uh, most of my, my posts are uh, six by sixes and they're in concrete, uh, not right up against the slab. Then I've got two six by sixes that hang out uh, four feet past those. Um, it's kind of the overhang, the landing at the top of the deck, and it just it just hangs over. And I, I'm I'm digging down like three feet in the yeah, ground. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, I want to see. You know, these are rotted out, so I'm gonna have to dig these out, replace. There is no concrete in the wood. Like there's, it's just wood and dirt. I'm like, I don't know what passed for building standards in 1998, but uh, that, that isn't going to fly. That's not it, yeah. Yeah, so so I started, like, thinking through it, and I actually came up with a good game plan. I haven't done it yet. It's one of the last things I'm going to do, but, um, you know, the wood is good until it hits the dirt. So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to cut it off there. So I'll take it off. I'll brace it. I'll cut it off there. I'll bury concrete, and then I've got these um, uh, two uh, – Four by six, I said two by six, four by six uh, concrete uh, anchors. Um, so I'll just do that and then I'll slide the post in there and bolt it up and we'll be good to go. But that way it's sitting on concrete. It won't rot anymore. The yeah. rot's cut off. It'll, you know, it's still usable for the most part, but um, just, it just adds up, man. It's yeah, just more it shit. does. Every project adds up. Yeah. This, I guarantee you. Well, I'm, I'm hoping not to, but I know I'm I'm gonna spend some debt some money on the on the deck now because I'm gonna have to build these planters and then I'm gonna have to buy the line that goes up and you know the pump and it's funny but every every project man I uh, speaking about that besides that project um, I've decided to kind of take on another project where it involves me learning some hardware uh, so I got a, a GLS 2000 loan to me. And I was able to... Will you tell everybody what a GLS 2000 is real quick? So a GLS 2000 is a pretty fantastic laser scanner, right? It's made by Topcon. Um, I actually got the GLS 2000 long, which is really more than what I need. Uh, But, you know, it's the one we had, so let's do it. Um, Like the the parameters, I think it does. Oh, gosh, what was it? I knew knew all of this stuff when I... It's something insane. It's like... Well, it's like... Yeah, I was going to say it's like 300 um, – isn't it like 300 meters? Uh, that sounds about right. 
That might that might be. I might have to look that spec up. Don't quote us on statistics, but no, <laughs> it's <laughs> right. GLS two thousand. Long. Um, you know, it's funny. I should have I should have looked this up before uh, before we did this, but you know, I've I've actually had to like pull this up on the spot on my phone, at like uh, you know presentations and stuff like that. So I, I just never remember it. So it's it is what it is. Yeah. Oh, 500 meters. Yeah. And the uh, short range is 150 meters. 150. Yeah. 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 The short range is really more for vertical construction is what I see. But yeah. again, yeah, I got this long range. And um, what I start, it's it's funny, but um, I started and I'm like, man, I, I've, I've used the total station before. You know, I've used the GTL 1000. That's a slick machine. And I'm like, I can do this GLS. I can figure it out. And I, I so, yeah. Right. So I get out there and I, I set up the scanner and I'm like, all right, I'm going to do my backsight. I'm going to try to scan. And then I'm like, what's going on here? All right. So I got to, oh, I got to, you know, actually I got to put my coordinates in. Duh. Okay. Come back in, make a coordinates file, you know, and then I'm looking at it and I'm like, oh, I need to set a control. Okay. So I, I got in Revit, you know, <laughs> made a couple points and set out, you know, 020 right? Zero, 020. Zero. So I just kind of measured out, set my uh, prism at 20 feet. So I knew kind of where it was, right? From uh, from where I was going to scan for my occupation point or that control point one. And um, it's been it's been an interesting kind of process to learn, um, like how scanning, how you set up and what you recognize for these targets and, and kind of, well, how it how you set up the scan itself. And as you're going through and setting up for a new, you know, kind of point to set up the new scans and the new targets, you know, I will tell you guys one thing. This is a tip and trick. <laughs> Read the owner's manual. <laughs> I had to stop. I cleared. I reset all my stuff and, and sat, downloaded the owner's manual for the GLS 2000, like the instruction manual, read through it. After I read through it, things have been going a lot smoother. Of course, now I'm just hoping that it doesn't rain long enough for me to actually complete a scan with the batteries. So I got, I got, I've been trying to figure out how to, you know, rotate charging batteries and doing scans. Yeah. <laughs> like, all right, all right, let's charge the batteries. We're good. Let's go out. We're gonna take it because I've been, if I'm honest, um, I wanted to take the scan of my house not only to learn more about scanning and the processes, but a little selfishly, I want a scan of my house <laughs> that I can yeah. put, you know, through something like Edgewise and and into Revit. But really, just even to even into just Revit, right? And and be able to model. And my idea for it is that I can kind of quantify at that point, right? I can say I have this model of my house and what makes sense for me to do to this house, and also allows me to send to contractors and say, hey, I want this done, and this is exactly what I want to do. How much would you charge me for it? So can I uh, – I just want to let everybody in on an inside joke that I thought was hilarious. Um, so Edgewise, ClearEdge, had put out this uh, very funny uh, – kind of dry because a lot of people – Oh, you're gonna One get me on, on this. this podcast you're gonna get me on this. Oh get yes. This joke. Yes. Uh, oh my gosh. So they put out this, uh, um, uh, you know, post on April 1st saying they had this plug-in for uh, modeling lawns. 
And David thought that he was going to be able to take this scanner I home. I was legit. I was like, man, I'm looking at this front yard. Like, this scanner can tell me what I can make level for my front yard. That would be amazing. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> like, Joey, I got to find the lawn, right? <laughs> He's like, Dave, Dave, wait, wait bro, wait. I'm like, oh, dang it. Like, I thought that was cool, though. Like, really? You can tell me where the runoff from the water is going off my lawn? I'd be perfect. You got civil 3D, man. We'll do this stuff. Yeah, yeah right. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I mean, we'll that one SSA. We'll, we'll bust it out, man. I've got a manual on S. I haven't touched SSA, like, maybe once in my life. Could I can barely remember what it stands for. I, uh, nope. Stewart's you lost me at SSA. I was like, okay, Civil 3D, I understand what that is. I'm not sure what SSA it's is. It's a hydro, uh, hydrology plugin. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. What you need is fluvial geomorphology, though, because you're looking at runoff. Yes. Well, I want to look at runoff, and I want to look at, you know, I kind of want to say, I want to make sure that it's going to run to the front. I want to drain, uh, drain tile on the front, of course, but I, I want to drop it by, let's say, like six inches or so you know, from the house to the yard, to the front of the yard. And I want to try to get guesstimate or if I can actually estimate kind of how many blocks like a, either, excuse me, either I want to go with um, a retaining wall like block or I want to actually have somebody come out and pour it. I almost rather just do the block because then I can kind of set everything myself, but Dude, I, I, can, yet I, much I, could, I could do this for you. <laughs> yeah i can do this for you man we got this right. hell in fact i mean scanning it's cool but we could have just done it with a drone just flown it well that's awesome now huh? you gotta get a drone man <laughs> yeah right <laughs> dude i had one somebody decided they wanted it more than i wanted it oh that's true yeah yeah i had one of those little backyard ones i was gonna use to uh kind of just you know fly around and teach gabe how to fly around i thought it was cool um yeah. Well, That's... if you do PIX4D, you can do volume calculations. Ooh. Uh, and uh, context capture does it as well. We can do volume calculations around the earth, around the dirt that you have, and yeah. it'll tell you how much it is, and then you can figure out, kind of, okay, well, we have this much, much dirt. Drones, though? So you can get... Um, uh, Without saying any names. Yeah, we say No names. Yeah. Hashtag no names. Learn this lesson. Um <laughs> You can get a specific drone for under $1,000. Um, okay. They're great drones. They're commercial grade. Yeah. They'll fly in 20-mile-an-hour winds. It's great. Well, in that case, man, I'd have, I think to make that type of investment, I'd have to do that type of thing. Like, I'd have to go around and offer it and be like, yo, do you want to know what your yard looks like? Do you want to know how the runoff you know, is going to yeah. be? Yeah. So, so uh, I'm finding all kinds of just like justifications to buy shit these days. Broke as fuck, but uh, my <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, I can do this. Yeah, yeah, that'd say, actually save me money. Yeah, that, that's a good idea. Like, I'm like yeah. rationalizing in my head, like, um, all right, so this deck, right? I have these uh, spindles that are in good condition. Um, spindles are 89 cents a piece. I need about 200 of them. Uh, so well, 200 bucks after tax. So I was like, well, I could spend $200 on that, or I can buy a surface planer mm, and then just plane every one of them, man. And that way at the end of this, I have a day you of have a tool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I sold my, uh, planer joiner. I had this, uh, craftsman, um, 
planter joiner in Oregon in my little shop. Yeah. Uh, before moving out here, I sold it because it was it was a beast. It was like a 1980s model thing. It was yeah. freaking tank, man. Um, so I, I got rid of that. Now that I'm out here, I'm like, shit, I can just go get it like a Ryobi or you know, cheap, whatever, $250 surface planer and call it good, man. Yeah. That's what, that's what I think I'm going to do, man. So, uh, yep. you know, justifying that. And then, uh, uh, what was the other thing? Oh, um, so we have this gentleman that works at TopCon. His name is uh, Pat Moran. Uh, shout out to Pat. Uh, Pat's got a pretty cool side hustle. He does um, photography for real estate. Uh-huh. He's got this awesome uh, DJI uh, gyro. You, know, you move it around and all that stuff, and it'll follow. You can actually set it to track somebody. So if you move your hand over here, camera's still looking over there, following. Uh-huh. It's like 150 bucks or something like that. It's very inexpensive. But my daughter wants to start like a YouTube channel. So uh, I was like, if I, you know, we could do that. That way I can buy this gizmo. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So yep. there I am, just like trying to justify everything. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Actually, um, I've been justifying quite a bit lately. Uh, I've actually justified my way into building an AR-10, which is pretty fantastic. I'm excited, but a little bit nervous about it, right? Because the more I research about it, the more that I'm learning, oh, okay, all right, I, you know, Gen 3 is, might not work with Gen 2 or Gen 1 with this certain manufacturer because they might not make this style or this style. It's been It's been interesting, but... I've been getting more into uh, hunting, you know. I'm, I've been I'm big into fishing, hunting, being outdoors, camping, just kind of uh, connecting. Country boy will survive. Yes, yes. Oh, <laughs> dude, I was telling you about that video earlier. That's pretty funny. We got to post that at some point. Yes, yes, we do, man. Yeah, got to post that. Dave, at some point. David going wild on a pig, man. This is great. <laughs> this is great. Put this on the on our uh, oh, on our man. channel. Oh, but I, I, I'm really big about, about stuff like that. Um, and I've been, like I said, justifying that I was like, man, I can, um, if I can, if I can build something like an AR 10, that could be like a deer elk and bear gun. There you yeah. go. Yeah. I don't you really do the Creedmoor though, right? Yeah. The six and a half yeah. Creedmoor is what I want to build instead of the, I was the 308 or whatever. Yeah, it's essentially like a 308. Yeah, it's. I found that the ammo is a little bit less expensive, and um, they're actually a little bit more accurate. Um, it just got. I, I. There's a lot of different things that go into it. The barrel, um, like all the gas blocks and the triggers, and there's a lot of different kind of parts that go. Obviously, that go into a rifle, but um, everything that makes it work and perform better at longer distances. Yeah. And, Actually, if I could do a couple shout-outs, man. One, I actually uh, – It's your podcast. Well, Shout-out to whoever you want. Yeah, yesterday, I got accepted as a, a pro – like a staff member for uh, the Fallen Outdoors here in Oregon. So uh, the Fallen Outdoors is a veteran group, a veterans group. Um, and what we do is kind of help take veterans out fishing, hunting, um, kind of camping, you, you know, geocaching. That first like year after you bought your house, I feel like you went on a trip or something like yeah. that, right? With those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I went on a fishing trip for um bottom like bottom fish, and then um it was like rock bass and lingcod, and then I actually got on a elk hunting trip. I had never hunted elk before. Um, you know, grew up in Northwest Indiana. We had whitetail, you know, some turkey things like that. Freaking rampant out here, man. Yeah. 
and I came out here and it's it's kind of a whole different kind of thing. And honestly, it was great in, in a bunch of different ways because I met some different veterans in the area that I connected with. So I made friends to actually go fishing and hunting with. And then it was able like I was able to get outdoors and it was awesome. Like we have a, a problem in the veteran community. Um, you'll you'll kind of see it all over the place. Uh, twenty two a day. Right. In, in the veteran community right now, there are 22 suicides a day is what, what they've kind of – Very high amongst the veteran population, yeah. Very high. So groups like the Fallen Outdoors work to get people out and about. You can get somebody busy if you can connect somebody back to nature and, and like, let's say to their place, right? It, it might help um, kind of – I want to say against demons a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Second one – is uh, I don't know if you can see this, but uh, it's the Till Valhalla project. I actually got this awesome cup. I got one made for me and for Adrian. I got veteran on mine, and this is all like etched in and everything. And then I got her a number one mom. These are like Yeti cups, but the Till Valhalla project actually um, they send like veteran families who lose. Uh, family members either by suicide or KIA, they present them with plaques. And then they actually donate a lot of the proceeds to different uh, veteran charities and um, fundraisers. It's, it's a great group. And these were like, like 50 bucks. Honestly, I was like, yeah, I spent, I spent like 35, 40 bucks having these. Me and Adrian, like I will gladly, you know, kind of give that. You, you know, it's going to a good cause, man. And it's something you believe in. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So a couple great, couple great things. And, and being a part of it, dude, it's honestly been pretty awesome. Like, uh, being with like the fallen outdoors and just these different veteran groups, you, you do see a lot of support and a lot of people to help kind of, as I say, get help get louder or get away from that 22 a day. We want to help try to kind of avoid that as much as we can, just getting people out talking, getting therapy, kind of whatever you can. Right. Cheers. Cheers, man. Um, yeah, I'm a fan, man. Um, not just getting veterans outside, like all people, man. Get your ass up. Get outside, goddammit. Anybody, you don't have to just connect with Mother Nature. Yeah. All right, shut up, Hippie. Oh. <laughs> <I'm getting> hippie. <laughs> just, just connect with Mother Nature. Just connect with Mother Nature, man. No, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, <laughs> I'm fortunate to live in a community. You're talking about white-tailed deer and um, uh, turkey. You know, if the apocalypse was to come, man, I could literally just post up with a bow outside my back door <laughs> and just take out 30 turkeys and, and a bunch of deer. And, and, there you, and, go. and you know, I could set a trap. Like 30 rabbit, rabbits jump through my yard every day. Thir- no bullshit. Yep. Not an exaggeration. Like 30 rabbits jump through my yard every yep. day. You know what's crazy is when I grew up in Indiana, you'd have a problem. Like you'd have when you go to mow your yard in the spring, you have to be cognizant of rabbit nests. Like you really yeah. do. You have to watch out for them. Here yeah. that doesn't happen. Like I do not see rabbits like I see back in the Midwest out here. I don't. Yeah, it's we funny. we've got a, a chipmunk problem and a rabbit problem, man. Yeah. Uh, damn, chipmunks are everywhere. Yeah. I've been putting out these garlic pellets to see if it happens. The other day I was um, weed eating. Uh, this is past weekend, I think, and uh, I'm weeding, and a baby bunny was, you know, he had a hole that was pretty close to where I was weeding, and he got scared and like jumped out, and like ran ran away, and I'm like yeah. looking at, him, I'm like, 
a foot and a half from him, and he's like paused, like dead in his tracks, just like yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll turn this off. Let you yeah. scamper on. <laughs> Shit, come on, man. Like yeah. <laughs> freaking animals, man. They're they're everywhere here. I love that aspect of it. I do miss. I don't know. There's something different about Oregon that. Oh, dude. I, I don't know, man. Can't can't explain. Can't put in yep. words. People it's talk hard. about God's country. I, I love it, man. Oh, Oregon my is. Gosh. Yes. Oregon is Oregon is something different. But it is. you know, if you uh, if you're having a shit day, and I noticed this, man. So one of the big takeaways for me for this uh, 75 part is you know getting outside. Like just get outside. So uh, 45 minutes. I walk outside. It's about three laps around my neighborhood. That's uh, about three miles. Um, walk around and I just get out there. It's just me, you know, the sun, the rain, whatever. And you know, I live in the suburbs, so a lot of freaking houses, but just animals running, scampering. You know, I see them whipping through the the, the road, just running through people's yep. yards, eating people's you know dandelions and you know weeds or whatever. Uh, I look down to the creek and I see like just a pack of 10 deer, like just hanging out. Like, I don't know, man, there's something about it. And then I, yep. you know, I get inside, I read, a, read a few pages and I drink some coffee and I come down here and I get to work and my day is instantly better. Like, yep. um, I've got this, you know, so there was this, uh, uh Naval commander who gave this commencement address a few years ago. And it was this whole thing about make your bed, you know, like, get up, achieve one thing, no matter what, if you make your bed, you've accomplished something throughout the day. So no matter what, it's drilled in me. I wake up, I make my damn bed. First thing I do in the morning, I make my bed, get dressed, go downstairs, I stop the coffee pot, and then I go outside and I walk. That walk does more for me than all the bitching and bickering that I could do in three hours, you know, complaining about something. That walk puts my head in the right space. And I feel like I just have a lot better... Um, you know, mentality and, and uh, uh, you know, makes my day a lot better. Like, I don't notice problems as much. Yep. Uh, so just, you know, you're talking about communing with nature and all that shit. It just, yep. it's not just hippie love, man. I, I ah, feel like it's great. We all need true. it. You're talking you know, about, you were talking about, sorry, man, one, one second, I just want to run with this. Oh, you're called, yeah. you, you were talking about, um, uh, we were joking about country boils vibe. We're talking about planting, hunting, fishing, all that stuff, man. Yep. That's something that's in us. It doesn't matter how city you are. Um, you have something that is innate inside of you that wants to create, that wants to give life to something, whether that's an artist, you know, creating something, whether that's growing your own food. There is an innate desire in all mankind, I believe, to create something. And, uh, you know, maybe this is – I was born in, 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 uh, in Massachusetts, but I grew up in Texas, so I'm going to attribute this to maybe the Texas side of me, but – I have this, you know, I, you know, whole thing where I want to fish and uh, I have this green thumb and all that shit. It's harder, it's harder when put in practice because my green thumb is really brown. It sucks. Um, you know, my fishing requires more patience than I've got, but it, it's still something that that uh, I, I strive for, something I still feel in me to to reach out and do. Yeah. Um, there's this book called Omnivore's Dilemma, and even in college, you know, I'm, you know. Actually, being, being put in this, you know, yeah, Michael Pollan. Uh, yeah, I was gonna yeah. say. Uh, it's a, it's an amazing book. And while I'm like spewed all this, you know, communal like uh, hippie living bullshit, you know, stuff in that. Defense of food. <laughs> by Michael Pollan. This is the second one. Oh man, I have to check it out. But 
while I'm, you know, as people will say, being indoctrinated in college, whatever, you know, being brainwashed, whatever you want to call it, um, this book, out of all the reading that I've ever, you know, read in college, really stood out to me more than anything. It was, you know, makes you think about being more mindful about your food. I eat a shitload of meat. I eat a lot of vegetables too, but I eat a lot of meat. I consume a lot of meat. A lot of process. I mean, it's all processed. Every meat that we eat is processed. But it just makes you think. It's like, all right, you know, somebody killed this. This was once a living animal. So whether that drives you to be a vegan, that's fine. Whatever. At least you're being mindful. Uh, but if you're going to continue to eat meat, you know, be a little more cognizant. Be a little more yeah. uh, mindful about the life that this thing had before, and spend the extra few bucks and buy some damn grass-fed. Make sure that animal had a good life and. I don't know, man. This is way off topic for Bam, and we're no, you're good. No, 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 it's shit. not. It's not <laughs> actually. It's it. It actually um, it it actually ties uh kind of segues perfectly in, into one thing I really wanted to talk about. Bam for uh, cow slaughter, got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, actually, I I as I kind of said earlier, I've been into this whole aquaponics thing, right? And I've been kind of looking more at it and thinking a lot more about it, and. You go into places even in downtown Portland, right, and and you'll start to see more green spaces and, and even downtown Seattle, like the Amazon, like the domes, right? It's beautiful. And it is beautiful, dude, but you start seeing even in the inner cities that they're trying to tie back to nature. That's because yeah. it, it makes people happier. Like it really does. I mean I went into this office downtown Portland, and there were like levels of – plants and you could see little water lines running behind them that would just water them and help with of course oxygen like they're cleaning the air they're beautiful it kind of connects you back to nature in a way right but my idea honestly has been a lot about integrating aquaponics like i mean we could we could integrate you're going to integrate a lot of hydroponics and a lot of type of like water sources with inner city living right reusing a lot of the water reusing yeah. a energy that's what we see with lead buildings they're starting to introduce um rainwater filtration systems and recycling it in buildings and if you can start giving that back to plants and even let's start think about i mean maybe raising fish is too much right that's a lot of what aquaponics is creating that symbiotic relationship creating yeah, using the nutrients from one to feed the other yes yeah. yeah but maybe it is you know we, we tie back to let's just say hydroponics with it but it's all about growing this this not not just our own food, but growing like I want to say nature, but growing flowers, growing trees. Yes, growing food because a lot of these buildings can, in that sense, give back. They can be used because as we're seeing, vertical farming has taken off. Right? If you don't have the entire building space to lay out like all of these plants, you can, if you have height, you can go vertical. Well, this is the future of city living. At some point in time, we are going to need to clean the air. At some point in time, we are going to need to figure out the food desert solutions. We are going to need to start planning all this stuff. And, um, the, you know, the proposed future is very green buildings with, you know, uh, plants growing inside or on the outside. And, and uh, you know, green roofs are already, you know, trending. But uh, just kind of build, building on all that stuff, reusing rainwater, reusing, like, yep. all that stuff's happening. It's, it's stuff that or it's, it's, it's planned for. Or at least imagined, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it'll come to fruition eventually. And there's a lot of cool stuff that happens, you know, if we do want to tie this back to BIM real quick. The one piece about BIM in this conversation. 
we can plan for and engineer these beautiful spaces. You know, uh, you talk about like, um, you know, green, green spaces in cities, turning brownfields into, into uh, you know, beautiful parks. Uh, the High Line in New York City comes to mind, like all these beautiful um, once uh, destitute places are now kind of being revamped. Um, and providing something for the city, like real value for the city, intangible, but yet real value. Yep. So, I mean, I say intangible, it is tangible because instantly, uh, think about the High Line, instantly all the real estate around that goes from, oh, you get the view of a abandoned train line, so you get the view of this beautiful park and then suddenly it goes up half a million dollars in, in, yep. in value. Like there's a tangible value too, but there's an intangible value that happens to um, people's soul to, you know, this is me being a hippie, but to, to nah, like dude, their, right. their state of mind, like yep. these are, these are real values that, that architecture brings to place um, landscape architecture rather. And, and I don't know, man, like uh, I, I don't think it's things that we talk about. Cause we think about like construction in the terms of finite you and me, we think about, okay, you need to be more efficient in this. So you need to do this kind of training, implement these these strategies and these processes. Yep. But at the same time, somebody has this great vision of, well, if you actually implement these designs into place, you're actually gonna better everybody in your environment. These people are gonna work more efficiently inside of this building. It becomes a real space for your tenants. Like, uh, and that's something that I don't really think about, but you know, that's- I mean, WeWork is honestly a big part of that, right? I would think that we work as a, as yeah. a huge on, well, not anymore, I guess, too much. Softbank, <laughs> uh, Jack Ma just left SoftBank uh, because yeah. of all that uh, yeah. work investment, eighteen well, billion dollars down the drain. Uh, but I mean, it was it was a good thought, I think, honestly, like optimizing the space now with different renters and stuff like that. I get it, but in, in a sense of optimizing the space for the people who are going to use it, right? Your end users, thinking about the people that are going to actually be here all day they live here almost you got to make it a type of happy space right you got to give areas where they can get away to if i see a place with an atrium and it has like benches out there with trees and like a courtyard you know where you can go sit with plants and you see a fountain and everything out there dude you will instantly see people out there reading books just kind of chilling out and people are drawn to it yeah no matter what people are drawn to it it does something to us and it makes us feel good it really does. So uh, the atrium at my college, this is a very old building. It just got rebuilt, uh, I guess, the last year that I was there, maybe 2011, 2012 or something. Um, they, you know, tore down and rebuilt it. But in this building, it was a student union. I worked in that building uh, uh, at a catering company there. And uh, I would always hang out in the atrium. But I'd always go out to the bottom floor of the atrium because they had a piano. Mm -hmm. and I, I knew, like, you know, Casey and Jojo all my life and a bunch of other stuff. And I up, but, but always there were people down there reading, no matter what, no matter what time of day it was, it could be freaking midnight. Somebody was down there reading. And, you know, several times throughout the day, it was a big music college, uh, University of North Texas, Nora Jones, a bunch of other uh, big names came from there. Um, Don Henley went there. Um, they'll go down to that piano and literally, like, just start battling you know, hammering out some stuff that they were writing and, um, you know, they'll spend an hour and a half on the damn piano. Yeah. Banging through some, like providing beautiful sounds to everybody. And everybody's out there just 
really having a good time. Yeah. yeah, man, it was a, uh, it was it was uh, it was a good space. There's something about nature. I mean, you're you're on, man. Like that's, it's one of those indescribable places that kind of can you know bridges the gap between nature and and kind of a peaceful, um, comfort comfortable, I guess rather. Yeah, place. dude. It's it's funny, but that's one of the big things that I love about uh, like Japanese architecture, like the old school though. Like really, if you think about it, um, they would center their houses or living areas around like creeks and they'd have cherry trees and everything. They'd go out and just sit in these kind of courtyard areas. Yeah. Amazing, dude. Like you can sit out there and just think, read. It draws people to it. If we can kind of integrate that back into what we do, um, I think it would help so much with a lot of, well, I mean, just I don't want to say depression, but like that, that that continuous monotony, right? The monotony of every day. Well, there, I mean, there is something to be said about um, the sense of space around you. So like, you know, a lot of, you know, big name interior designers make, you know, make a lot of money giving bad name to like feng, feng shui and all, you know, all that shit, right? But there's, there's something very practical about it in my mind. I don't know anything about feng shui, but I'm just thinking in terms of like, um, setting your space up in a certain way to make your life more enjoyable, like make yeah. that space more enjoyable, make your time in that space more enjoyable. Yeah. That's, that's it. Like, uh, if I could set my living room more so that it would, uh, provide a better space for me to read rather yep. than so much as me wanting to just lounge on the couch and watch TV, that adds an instant benefit to my life. Yep. Um, now, pretty much what I do is my wife and kids will watch, you know, diners, drivings, and dives, and I'll go upstairs and, and crank out, you know, 20, 20, 30 pages out of a book or something. Yeah. Dude, I have to wait until the kids go to bed. And at yeah. that point, it's like, hey, what are you doing? Are you uh, you going to work on your uh, Pampered Chef stuff? Are you reading a book? Uh, I'm going to read a book. You know, or it's, or it's we're going to watch some AP Bio or, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine, man. I do, too. You know, oh, actually... It was funny, Ivory, um, she's getting to that age now where she's wanting to watch, you know, older movies with us. Still, of course, like PG type of stuff. Uh, occasionally, the, the PG-13, you know, if we feel it out. But uh, I'm kind of a geek, so I love the, of course, Star Wars, but also The Hobbit, like all the, the, ring. like, the rings. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, yeah. It's Peter Jackson. Awesome. Yeah. awesome dude yeah and ivory recently has been like what, what what is this what is this so we actually you know stop and i'm like wait before we watch fellowship of the ring i know that's an amazing movie but let's go ahead and just watch the hobbit series first let's watch the hobbit we'll get through that and then go so we're gonna stay on the timeline i've only watched one of the hobbits um it was great it's yep. god they're so long man they're so long. It's a dedication. That's the oh, problem with those movies. Like two and a half, three hours, and you're like, wait, so we're going to break this up in between two nights, or are we going to do this in one yeah. night? Because we're doing this in one night. The babies are going to bed early. Like, we're, this is planned. Yeah. <laughs> no nap. You guys are going to go to bed 7, 7.30. We can start the bed by 8. We can start the movie by 8, you know, and be in bed by like 10, 10.30. That sucks, but we can do it. If it doesn't go to plan, then you're like, ah, maybe like an hour, hour and a half, pause, yeah. pick, up, pick up tomorrow. <laughs> Reminds me of watching, um, did you ever watch like those long epics in um, uh, like, you know, middle school or whatever, Roots, Ben-Hur, uh, oh, Gandhi, yeah. you yeah, know, like yeah. eight hours a piece, freaking long ass movies. 
Oh yeah, dude. Uh, oh, we had uh, what was it? Uh, oh, the what about life that we had to watch in health class? Um, uh, I can't even remember. Graves of Wrath. I'm trying to think. No, no, it was it was uh the one where you watch like a baby be born and all that. Oh kind of shit! Stuff. No, I don't. Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude, they had us watch that. some video. It was like two or three hours long. You're just sitting there like, oh my gosh. This is what sex leads to. This I will is the baby say, being born, and you're like, oh no, this is they, very scarring. <laughs> <laughs> I will say to some effects, they, they did work for me because uh, my two, now uh, third kid on the way, all of them planned. Every one yeah. of them was planned. Yeah. Yeah. I did yeah. Sense for me. Uh, the I, first one was that we were drunk. <laughs> well, you have the whole deployment thing too. Like yeah, I am back true. from leave before we go for deployment. Well, yeah. You know. <laughs> What's up? My name's yeah. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> My name's David. I'm here to party. I'm here uh, to party. Oh man. That's so you know, funny. The uh, this last one, I keep having to tell people, they're like, "You're having a baby and it's COVID-19," and I'm like, "Yes, I, I get the world yes, is freaking Karen. ending." Yes, Karen, go tell the manager. <laughs> Gosh, yes, Karen, I'm having a baby. I can make my own life choices. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're, you know, we made this decision before the world was on fire. I promise you, this, this baby, <laughs> baby will It'll be born be right. this year. It'll be fine. <laughs> December 2nd the due oh, date. Dude. It's yeah. so funny all the things on Facebook I've seen for the like the COVID babies. <laughs> there's gonna be a lot of there's gonna be a lot of babies and a lot of a lot divorces. Of babies. Yeah. A lot of babies and a lot of divorces. Oh man. My, we watch a uh, uh, church, um, uh, you know, watching it online now. So our pastor they got a pretty good program. You can tune in and, and check it out. Um, anyways, he always that's brings. That's up, actually what ours does too. They, on YouTube, they have their own YouTube channel. We can just That's awesome, man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's kind of what they got to do these days. Yeah. Uh, so uh, they, they every week he talks about it. He's like, yeah. So you know, just I uh, want to chat about couples counseling, guys. Like, it's not the end. Like, we'll get through it. Like, yeah. He's always yep. talking about it because um, apparently it's uh, it's definitely ticked up, man. Couples yeah. counseling, uh, divorces, and all that stuff. It's yeah. on the rise. Yeah. Man, I just, you know, the whole uh, in sickness and health, I figured that would have covered COVID-19, but I guess it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Honestly, Shit. I don't know. Yeah. That's yeah. Weird. But uh, anyways, now to a less uh, dark subject. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've been playing with the scanner. Uh, yeah. You... You've been doing some outside stuff. Have you been doing any interior? Uh, not yet. No, I've been trying to figure that out because uh, I realized a scanner, usually you need kind of two targets in the scanner. So I'm trying to finagle with one prism. Well, I told you about the uh, don't shoot targets, take the scans, and then we'll stitch yeah. them all together at the end. Yeah, yeah. And that's really what I'm going to probably – I haven't had a chance to get back out in the rain to try that yet. So I was still kind of wondering, like, what I wanted to do is – because I'm lazy, obviously – um, is that I want to try to get it to recognize a prism in, in most of the shots in terms of as something that I can recognize from the scan so I can line it up, right? But as you said, a lot of times people will use the uh, exterior building corners and things like that, rotate yeah. up and Yeah, interior, I'm finding corners of walls, door jams, yeah. whatever. And I, I'll stitch it with, I mean, Recap does a pretty, 
you know, preface recap is not the best tool, but it is it is a great is tool good. for getting it's into really Revit good. and all that stuff. And it's great because it's included with AEC collections. Yes. So it's my go-to. But well, like uh, Recap Pro is actually great with like UAV solutions, and it's great with yeah, uh, the, automatically registering the data. It can actually do that cloud-to-cloud type of stitching and yeah. automatic registration of targets. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so we prefaced it. We like Recap. Recap's a great product. But as far as a scanning solution, there are um, you know there are a lot of great scanning solutions. So if you get like a Topcon scanner, you get the software called Magnet Collage. Yep, yep, yep. You know, it's it, it has more features, more powerful. Yep, you know, yep. I mean, because in my mind, it's actually built for scan, you know, processing scan yes. data. Recap well, to me is a way for us to get from one entity into point another. A to so, point B. That's yeah, point, point A to point B. B. It allows us to take scan data and get into a design application. It's not yeah. it's not the processing. It's more of a post processing in my yes. mind. Yeah, but um, collage is really the collage is really yeah. processing. That's going to tell you where in the world it is. It can, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of it. But but that said, uh, at its very core, I can take any scan data, I can run it through Recap, UAV data doesn't matter, yep. and I can stitch this stuff together. So it does a phenomenal job at this. Sometimes it requires a little bit of manual manipulation. Like sometimes it'll do the auto registration. It'll be like, oh well. Clearly, these two lines overlap, or this yeah. door jam, and this you door might jam. Have to, yeah, and you might every once in a while have to go and click, like, okay, if you can recognize something in this yeah. one to this one, and then kind of click it and say, okay, this is this, yeah. and then it kind of matches together. Yes, just make sure that whenever you do this in Recap, you make sure if you're going to your design applications, change the output from uh, uh, meters to feet, because this, <laughs> this stumps that everybody. Will, yes. Stumps everybody. Dude. Every Every person. That's such a weird thing, and it's so funny that it does that. Because you wouldn't think if you imported it in in survey feet or decimal feet that it yeah. would transfer over to meters, but it does. It does. Well, it's a weird thing um, to think about, too, because I, if I remember correctly, Recap was a U.S. application. In fact, I think it was yeah. built here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I think it was where it was, the company was originally headquartered. So it's weird that meters is the default. So maybe it took off, you know, in the UK or somewhere um, before it came here, or maybe I don't know. But anyways, meters is the standard in Recap. So just uh, if you're ever finding yourself with an issue, Recap isn't off. You just have to change your conversion. That's fine, you know. Yep. Yeah, that was a, that was one I had to learn as well. I had to learn that the hard way. It's painful because uh, uh, you know. In our business, we deal with a lot of scan, you know, people doing scans, because uh, we we represent both sides. We represent, you know, the total package here, where we're talking about scan data and we're talking, you know, scanning and, and scanning hardware as well as processing scan data. Oh, yeah. So and to bring it into design, design application, program. yeah, that's exactly it. So when we're talking about that stuff, we run into that question a lot more. It's like, well, um, you know, you might run into it half as much because maybe they're answer, they're asking their hardware person. About that, but typically we're the hardware person and their design software person, so that, yeah. that question uh, a lot more than uh, than most do, and uh, it comes up. But you know, Recap is great. It does what it it, it does a great job. Uh, there are some great uh, workflows, especially with UAV, going to like Recap to InfoWorks, doing linear feature extraction. I like the meshing and the photo yeah. meshing. Dude, I haven't played too much. Was legit. I gotta, I gotta play with that more. Honestly, yeah. I was very excited about that. So I played with, I think it was like ABC Photo or something like that. One, two, three, D. I don't remember what it was, but there was an app they had 
long time ago before it was all rolled into recap, um, where you just take photos of something with your phone. Like I take a photo of this beautiful beer can and uh, go all the way around. And as long as I got enough photos, it's stitching it all together and it creates a 3D model. Yep. So before that was in recap, it was a separate app. Uh, but now it's all in, now it's all in recap. Right in. Yeah. Dude, speaking of uh, being within, I was pretty excited about, uh, I know we've already talked about this, but that two and a, that Dynamo 2.5 being right in Revit. That was pretty exciting for me. So you and I are going to get to spend a lot of time talking about Dynamo. Dude. Uh, for work, my man. Um, we are doing this, uh, so uh, for, for our listeners that don't know what the Festival of BIM is, I should actually introduce Festival, Festival. of BIM and Digital Construction. Boom. Boom. Yeah. It's such so, a badass name. It yeah. Really is. <laughs> Festival of BIM. What were you today? Festival of BIM. It's like, I got to go. Why am I not at the Festival of BIM? What is going on? COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> right. Dang. But it's, it's, not an AU. <laughs> it's the world's largest uh, digital construction um, uh, web, you know, webcast remote remote conference, yeah. essentially. And uh, it's been a lot of great pre- presentations. Um, my only pit against it has nothing to do with them. It's Zoom. Damn you, Zoom. Fix your bandwidth issues. Uh that's the, if you if you guys uh, if you guys are interested, it's the Festival of Digital and it goes from the sixth of May to the tenth of July. So there are several webinars that are inside of there. I mean, honestly, guys, there are a lot, and uh, I mean, I've been looking through them, kind of drooling at a few of them. Like, man, I missed that one. Like, honestly, there there are a lot of great um, a lot of great webinars on there, and a lot of great speakers. Yeah, and I had the privilege of listening to a few of them. I thought they were excellent, um, great takeaways, very educational. Because for me, it's not, uh, you know, we connect with a lot of people around the U.S. And, um, you know, there are a lot of brilliant minds here in the U.S. But, you know, we get to expand that, you know, hundredfold because Festival Vim is is global. Like we're talking to people in Australia, all around the world, essentially. Yep. That, um where BIM standards kind of, you know, cemented a little bit further. The government's a little bit more um, supportive of, of the BIM initiatives, enforcing it. Like they've got national BIM, BIM enforcement, all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's kind of progressed their technology, and we get to learn from their uh, pitfalls, learn from, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you are talking about Dynamo, right? Uh, yeah, and, and really what with what we're presenting is, um, as you're kind of saying, how we can tie all of this together and and with others experience you know with dynamo um we've been able to connect with a lot of different individuals through our podcast through you know our work and we're going to put on this presentation with a few of those users to talk about you know what dynamo is like how they approached it what they've done with dynamo and it's it's super exciting to, to be able to talk about this but you know what's funny is it, it's becoming more and more um it's common common exactly it really is yes yes it's awesome i chatted with uh and i feel like an idiot because i haven't jumped into dynamo with both feet like like i should like it's been playing with somebody else's tweaking it i I don't have the need because i'm not in production so i guess that's probably the the bigger issue um you know that's stopping me but but I run into people like I'm talking with infrastructure groups. I'm talking with, uh, you know, BIM consulting groups uh, working on large infrastructure projects. 
We're talking with electrical contractors. We're talking with all these uh, piping contractors who, you know, want to kick out uh, a surface for their machine control. Like, yeah, dude, that stuff was awesome. Shoot, we didn't, didn't even you know, think about we didn't that. Even think about it as an issue, or you know, that it's a pain point that needs to be solved. And these people are doing it. There are yeah. legitimate issues that people are solving every day with Dynamo, and and you get overwhelmed because you're like, oh my god, I got to learn programming. I, I can't do this. This is I'm a designer. I don't want to do this. And then I chat with these people, and I'm like chatting with a pipe, a, a a plumber. I'm chatting with an electrician. I'm chatting with guys that. Yes, they're, they're very intelligent, but they have yep. no coding background. They have no like, – they're just problem solvers. They're just – they're guys – They're I say passionate. Just, yeah, they're, they're passionate. They have a problem solve. They want to cut time. And, and so they said, you know, fuck it. I'm going to figure this shit out. And I chat with these people, and I'm like, shit, if you can do this, like you're – what you're telling me is anybody can do this. Like, yeah, anybody can yep, literally anybody do, it. Can do it. Yeah, so it's, it's definitely made me uh, – a bit more optimistic about the direction of Dynamo and, and, and the future of it, because now everybody's doing it. Doesn't matter if you're an architect trying to figure out new, you know, conceptual designs and different iterations for generative design, all that, whatever. Or if you're an engineer that wants to, you know, make sure that they're placing, you know, uh, the correct amount of concrete, you know, of rebar and, and concrete or whatever. Yep. It doesn't matter what your use case is. We're finding it at every level, whether it's uh, streamlining existing processes or or figuring out how to work with uh, data in a different way. People are pushing it and solving complex problems. Uh, things that would take them hours to do, they're solving with a few hours of, of homework, and now it takes them seconds to press a damn button and they're ready to roll. Yep. So. Yeah, dude, honestly, we're, we're finding that the ROI with with Dynamo is is great. It really is. Well, there's no ROI because it's a free damn product, guys. Like, well, it's well. I'm just saying the, the return of investment in oh, terms yeah, of yeah, time, time, right? You got it. You, you're still investing time. That's yeah. still that's still something. So at the end of the day, but that return of investment, the time that you invest up front, saves you so much time on the back end. There's a gentleman here I, I'm really uh, looking forward to introducing and getting on this podcast. Uh, he's a a brilliant mind. Um, and he, he's been writing Dynamo scripts since pretty much like day one. His scripts are like the most used Dynamo scripts today. Like to, to, to see an issue so early on and be like, well, I guess we can solve it with this free tool they're giving us. Like, yeah. it, oh my gosh. Like it's nuts. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, with, with the new version of Revit out, um, I got really excited because, of course, I've got a structural background, right? And I started seeing, of course, the, the integration more of the robot structural analysis, but also with the analysis results being tied back into Dynamo and the steel connections. Didn't so they do, can, with, do away with robot for a while, though? Like, yeah, did that, they did. Didn't that disappear? Yeah. If I it, yeah, it actually, the integration stopped for a little bit. Huh. And I think it was like a year. What was it, 2018, 2019? They're probably just rewriting it, I guess. I don't yeah, and, and it's nuts, but you can choose to you know kind of go through and analyze a lot of your different elements to make sure they, they stand up for code compliance. But you can also analyze them in terms of loads, everything like that. But the one thing I really saw that was awesome, you know, we're, we're getting more into fabrication, prefabrication. And even with analysis, with robot, if you can keep those analysis – kind of results back and put that into your dynamo script right in terms of okay this failed this failed this failed this is what we need to do and it automatically goes through and and adjust that for you that's like, amazing 
like propagating structural connections and stuff yes. like that. Yeah. Yes. So, um, you know, as we move towards this integrated, you know, project delivery type scenario where we have concurrent engineering going on at the same place, uh, with de detailers are working with engineers to, to kick this out faster. Um, as we get to this place, um, you know, it just makes life a little bit easier as they're running these Dynamo scripts to not only get uh, somebody bring you another beer, because that'd, that'd be awesome. Yeah. She brought me another beer. Hey, Adrian. Joey says hi. She says hi, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Damn you, wife. Bring me another beer. <laughs> Just kidding. I love you. She's pregnant. She gets passed. Uh, I, I am excited, like, man. I just drank my last beer. No, I'm still two-thirds of the way. I have. This is my third beer out of this session, uh, and I'm like two-thirds of the way through, so I'm good. But uh, we've been taking a, a advantage of all the COVID sales, and you know, Home Depot's got these appliances on sale, so re-outfitted our kitchen. It's, you know, didn't get them delivered yet because I don't have the space, but... Um, can't wait because I'm going to move the fridge up there down to the garage or in here and I'm going to have a beer fridge. Nice. So excited, man. About to gain 40 pounds. <laughs> have a bigger beer guy. Just kidding. America. America. Give me a, a Trump hat. No, I'm just kidding. I just <laughs> can't Jeez. get into politics. Bring politics on the Fergus podcast. I, I, do just, that. just so everybody knows, I hate all politicians equally. They, they all suck. Yeah, I'm uh, uh yeah, doesn't matter who you who you like there. Yeah, that's it. That's my politics. Anyways, um, no red uh, or blue. It's all red, white, and blue. Damn straight, my America. America. Well, at the end of the day, at the end of the, here's my political philosophy. At the end of the day, you are responsible for your own. Make yep. the decisions, you know, uh, that best suits you and your your family for your life. Yeah. And don't look for any saviors. That's it. Anyways, that said, um. Uh, we were talking about propagating structural connections, fabrication. So as concurrent, concurrent engineering, con concurrent, I can't speak. Yeah. Concurrent, concurrent engineering becomes more commonplace. Uh, detailers and engineers kind of working uh, at the same same speed, at the same time rather. Um, Dynamo scripts become really um, life-saving rather because they allow the, the engineer to run those analysis more quickly, analyses or analysis. I think it's now C's. Now C's uh, yeah. yeah, more quickly, which, uh, yeah. <laughs> ah, octopuses. Uh, actually, I heard it's actually octopuses, not octopi. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, we've been wrong this whole time. Anyways, uh, these analyses, um, uh, to, you know, to get the, the answers more quickly, Therefore, it allows the structural detailers to to get in there. But a lot of their detailing can be automated. Yes. Not automated, but. Well, it's not automated, but it is at the same time. Yeah, yeah. You're putting in the parameters. Right? Yeah. You're telling it what you need. Yeah, that's exactly it. You're like, well, okay, if this if this material touches this material, I need a, a you know a, a space plane in between it. Yeah. You know, you know, yeah, buffer. Yeah, something like that. Um, I can I can put all this stuff in place so then I can focus more on the uh, uh, on designing fabrication rather than placing commonplace elements because I can automate that shit now it's easier yep. it's done like if I do this or this I need I know I need this it's done add it to the drawing 
and then I can figure out how to get the right LOD, the right cuts, the right welds in place and detailed so that my guys out in the, the fab shop. Constructability yeah. makes more sense and it yeah, happens sooner. It that's really, exactly. that's, it is, and that's key. That is really big. And what we need right now is that we need that constructability to happen sooner in the design itself. I, and I, if we can't do that. We need something to automate that or help us automate that. I've been very fortunate in my, uh, my professional career. Um, I've got a great relationship with a lot of, um, uh, you know, construction, construction firms. And uh, I, you know, I keep tabs, I, you know, what's going on with COVID and I'll find out what's going on. And, and I'd say for majority of the companies that I talk to, especially on the in the MEP space, um, the thing that has really helped them excel during COVID has not been um, technology that they've implemented, although it does help, has not been, um, um, you know, some new mantra or whatever that, you know, lean or whatever, what it boils down to for them is actually prefabrication. Prefabrication has allowed them to uh, uh, keep busy, keep their projects on time or near on time. I mean, there are some some setbacks to COVID, um, but at the same time, they they get to, you know, employ safe, you know, safe working environments, safe, safe working conditions, you know, six feet apart, all that sort of stuff. Um, Speaking of drinking water. Yeah, in the prefabrication side of things, uh, or in the construction side of things, by employing prefabrication. So I don't know, man, like hearing that is just kind of a testament to where we're all going with this, you know, modular construction, prefabrication. These aren't buzzwords. Um, it makes you know. sense. It's, it makes sense. And sooner or later, it's going to become common sense. It really is. It. I, I just, I feel like the more that we adopt it, the more that we can adjust our procedures so that things are coming out more accurate you know the layout points are matching up everything matches up the way that we need it to be which it's hard with as-built conditions but the more that we can document these as-built conditions to reflect how we need to design it and putting our design in that space is only going to help with the fabrication and prefabrication portion yeah if you scan an existing condition um you run some scans through there man we can get pretty damn tight with tolerances yep. and do the prefabrication um, pretty nice. I've been looking into a prefabricated, um, well, I say not, pre, not prefabricated, rather, but modular, um, they're prefabricated, but modular is the term, uh, modular um, uh, uh, homes. Yep. So like homes that are built rooms at a time and then they're freaking nailed together, essentially bolted together. Yep. And, you know, it goes up in half the time. Yep. It's crazy. Yep. Which, you know, what's funny. There's a huge stigma around that with the housing market because people like a lot of lenders are saying, no, those those houses aren't of quality. They're modular. They're put together. Oh. Right. Like, come on, man. I mean, I, I get it. Like I grew up again in northwest Indiana. I grew up right by Elkhart, Goshen, Indiana. I grew up in Plymouth, Indiana. We actually have Shamrock Homes right in Plymouth, Indiana, who I actually went to kind of check out there for a while. And what they do is they take a trailer and they will build half of a house on a trailer on an assembly line. And at that point, they'll have all the different people going through the different disciplines like building plumbing, you know, finishing everything. And then what they'll do is they'll go back and if they don't have a long enough building to do it all the way through, 
They get it out, they turn it around, and they bring it back through again. And a lot of that, when you can get good designs, you can get good people who like understand what the design means, what these specifications are, what we're holding these standards to. I'd imagine that this is only going to help our housing problem. It's going to help a lot of different things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was awesome. Thank you. All right. All right, dude. I'll, I'll take it for a minute. So, <laughs> thank you. Oh, man. But I, th I think that, you know, as Joey was kind of talking about with modular constructions, even with the residential homing, um, housing, homing, good Lord, with residential housing, there's still that stigma. But I think that eventually we'll end up getting around that in terms of holding these, um, these well, these modular builders to a higher standard in terms of um, what, what they're delivering and how things go together, how they're insulated, you know, how they're sealed, make sure they're not leaking. Um, and, and again, the different structural standards that they're held to, as long as they're held to the same building codes. Um, I mean, uh, we shouldn't really care where it was built, right? As long as we know that we can trust those people, which is a hard thing in our industry, but it's something that we should really strive to do. Um, modular construction in general, I think, is, as I said earlier, it's going to become more of common sense because of the fact that we are adopting technology more. We can, as Joey kind of talked about earlier, you know, we can do these laser scans. We can document these existing conditions and know exactly what we're going into. You see, if Joey and I had done that with maybe my greenhouse or his deck, we could have known ahead of time, like what kind of, you know, what we're getting into here with me. I'm like, and this is not going to work. So we're just not going to invest all of this money here and put it into my deck. But, you know, yeah, you could have done like a cost benefit analysis and figured it out. But but you, you know, I still feel like you got the ROI or the um, the cost early on. So the estimates rather early yes. on so that you can, you could plan accordingly. I can adapt and overcome. You're right. And, and I yeah. did, but, um, a lot of times you can't, I mean, you get, yeah. If I, yeah, dude, if I got really, which I mean, I'm still, I would say probably two, three hundred dollars into that, into that greenhouse, which I'm going to, I'm going to reuse a lot of the materials that I had used. Right. So I can, I can thumbs up that one, but at the same time, I'm still losing a little bit of money from that. And it is what it is. It's a very little amount of money. But we see these projects that are going up quite a bit. And, and that happens quite often. Well, we talk about um, – so, I mean, there's a few key concepts with cons large, you know, commercial construction projects. Um, you have uh, uh, rework. You have um, – you know, and reworks due to a few different things, um, you know, your subcontractors, your, you guys overlook something. You didn't catch something in, in coordination. I'm going to go pee now so you can take the wheel. Uh, all right, man. <laughs> we really need catheters if we're going to go an hour and a half and drink three beers. I'm just saying, man. <laughs> all right, so I'm going to talk to uh, imaginary David here. You know, there are a few different things in construction that, that kind of bulk up these costs that kind of change our, our, our plans and perspectives a little bit. As, as all you guys know, uh, rework, um, you know, accounts for a large percent of the, of the budget here um, uh, on projects. And, you know, 
for home projects, you know, you try to estimate 10% overrun, uh, give yourself a chance to kind of fix that stuff uh, on, you know, a uh, hundred million dollar project that that ends up being quite significant. 10% ends up being $110 million. Uh, so that's quite the overrun. Uh, but then you think about, uh, so, I mean, that's, you know, overrun, but think about, you know, the rework costs are probably closer to 30%. Think about uh, change orders, which, you know, more often than not, you can bill for. Um, and then you got to figure out some order, some other stuff, you know, value engineering stuff out, making sure you're not compromising uh, integrity or design. Um, there's, there's just seems to be uh, a lot more hurdles to construction than, than people imagine. And David was mentioning earlier about, yeah, we could have laser scanned our projects. You know, I could have scanned my deck, but it would have done me no good because in the long term, there are things that I couldn't have seen. I couldn't have noticed rotted wood. I couldn't have, uh, you know, to help me quantify or to help me, you know, maybe estimate or budget uh, a complete teardown. But uh, you know, things that you think you're going to reuse or, or whatnot. These are things that I wouldn't catch. Um, materials scanned don't necessarily convey uh, whether they're, you know, their integrity. Um, you know, we've we've scanned uh, concrete and it's been hollow or whatever. You know, like there's there's things that you just don't know. But that said, it's true. Scanning. I was talking about uh, while you were on your your bathroom break. You're talking about. Uh, Dude, meet catheters, man. I'm saying. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> uh, you get a long pause. You're like, Dave, Dave, what are you doing? You got this blank look of your fury in your face, like, oh. <laughs> Dave's being. Uh, no, we were, I was talking about, um, like, had I scanned my deck, yep. how, you know, it probably wouldn't have helped me. It would have been cool. Like I'm all, I'm all for scanning. Cool to see, but you'd had really to. I had rotted wood. Like how do you see rotted wood? Um, you'd have had to get so, really up and close and personal to that. Yeah, yeah. So like, I mean, that brings me to another thought. Like, um, so in, in college, I studied uh, geography, GIS, uh, lidar, all this stuff. We were talking, we were looking at satellite data, ground penetrating radar. You can talk, you can see the density of things. Hell, man, if my scanner could pick up um, the density of the wood or whatever, hell, I'd. Well, then actually, I think they're starting to develop some type of like X-ray technology for existing buildings so we can see what's behind the walls, right? I think knowing that, and, and I mean, combining that with also some type of density to know what type of steel, like how it's reacting. I mean, with steel in general, we, we can see deflection, right? With yeah. something like Verity, that's a great application to see the type of deflection that you have. But if we can use X-ray technology in construction to see what's inside of a wall or what's inside of a slab, maybe my PT cables, right? Where they're located exactly inside of that slab, dude, that's going to save people so much time and money. Yeah, right now the common practice is to uh, scan it before and then uh, afterwards, uh, you know, present that as part of your as build. But that's that's where that's where we're at. You you just don't. Yeah. You well, know. I mean, dude, you think about it. If if some of these older buildings that weren't deck doc, like let's say they were documented, but maybe well, the yeah, that's where didn't it's make getting it over to. Like maybe they didn't scan it. Yep. Uh, for whatever reason, it wasn't in the budget. It wasn't available at the time. Whatever. You know, what do you do now? You got this PT, uh, PT cable, you're drilling through the freaking deck, yep. and you hit that damn cable, it's going to, you know, it's going to snap. It's going to oh, snap yeah. and cause some serious freaking damage yep. to the building across the street. Like, yeah. <laughs> those things are tight. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bad juju. I, I, it's, it's it, knowing that information can be valuable when you're heading into a project.
I mean, yeah. especially with, with something like PTK plus, but I mean, just in general, knowing your existing conditions when you're getting into the project, um, when you're bidding, you're estimating, everybody involved, especially the owner, is going to benefit from having that information. Yeah, and I, I mean, let's tie this back into BIM. You know, you're providing this this model, this as-built model at the end with all of this data in it. People are, you know, able to accurately, you know, view this information in the future. You know, maybe yep. it's not survey grade, but whatever. They have something. They have a starting point. It's in their FM system. It's in a repository for them to access at a later date. Um, it makes managing that building uh, a whole of a hell of a lot easier in the, yeah. life, in the life cycle of that building. Um, and you and I had this great conversation. It was based off of like a LinkedIn post. It was based like uh, the deconstruction of a building. It would be so much easier if we had the BIM models. Yes, it would be. It really would be. I mean, I'd look at it from more of a demolitions kind of standpoint, too. Like, I mean, well, it's not just demolitions. It's in terms of knowing what you can save, what you can reuse. And um, that's the <laughs> yeah, dude. Heck yeah, it is. I'm all no, about was... reduce, reuse and recycle. No, I'm kidding. We have a if I'm if I'm going to get on that tangent, I think that we have a huge issue with recycling in this country. And, and the fact that you pay for like, let's say, glass and plastic and everything, the amount that you pay for it, and then you pay somebody to haul it away who actually gets paid for some, from someone, they buy it from them to recycle it and then put it back out into the market for you to pay for again. I think that's pretty weird, but that's another uh, kind of tangent there. Hey, keeps the economy going, I guess. It I, does I don't keep know, the economy going, but it's, I'm sure you know some of that goes to like um, you know the efforts to to reusing that rather than creating new plastics, all this stuff. I mean, like it's 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 an economy. Yeah, I mean it makes sense, but that that part makes sense. I just I don't know. I I, I see we have a very flawed system. I used to work for a, a paper mill, and I'd see how everything was kind of recycled and how they'd take in different types of let, let's say paper and then cardboard and what they're accepting, what they're not accepting, the different recycling plants that you go to, how they do it, and it's just like okay. Well, I mean this it works for what we have, right? It works for right now, yeah. but you see so many different ways that we can improve that. Yeah, well, biomass generators are, are going to be the big thing for us in the future, allowing us to uh, capture that as energy. The gas. Um, yeah, the gas is the, the uh, burning it for, for fuel, that sort of stuff. Like, it makes sense. Yep. Um, but the, the biggest issue for me in recycling, though, is recycling and construction because uh, construction accounts for, like, I forgot the statistic, but it's like 25% of all the waste in the U.S., is it really? Uh, I thought it was. Yeah, it was, it was like every every project. There's like 40 percent of the project is waste, or 40 percent of the project. That was 40 percent of the materials, maybe. I don't 40% know. 40 percent of the materials. Yeah, going on yeah. to that project, something like yeah. that. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd have to relook at that that statistic, but a significant don't quote amount. us on statistics. <laughs> but a significant <laughs> amount of the waste in the in the in the U.S. is from construction and. Whether you're a conservative or you're a liberal, whatever, you can all kind of identify with the fact that we're one, we're wasting 100%. money. Yeah, it's, it actually is in the U.S. alone. An estimated 251 million tons of consumer solid waste is generated, and it, and as much as 40% of this waste comes from construction projects. So 40% of all waste in the U.S. comes from construction. All the U.S. comes from construction. Actually, uh, this might be planet. That's that's 
that's pretty significant. And you think about a lot of this, I mean, it's aggregates, it's, it's, uh, you know, synthetic materials, it's wood, it's, you know, yep. glues, it's, it's all this stuff that we, we haven't really found a way for us to process and recycle, um, effectively. You know, there are great companies coming out with amazing technologies. I wish I knew more about them because I'd love to give them a shout out, but, um, there needs to be a way for us to kind of figure that piece out. There was this. Uh, I agree. There's this company in Oregon where and uh, that would turn wood into wood chips. They would uh, chip construction lumber. Um, they would chip it all. Um, they would make they would make sawdust. They'd make all kinds of stuff, and people could just send it there. Or if you wanted scrap wood delivered to your house, they would just deliver you all the odds and ends from a construction site and you can do yeah. with it as you want. Like that's pretty awesome. That's pretty damn awesome. If you think yeah. about it. Like, so there, I mean, there are things out there. There are companies that are making, uh, um, aggregates into more materials. Uh, you know, we're, we're melting down different plastics to make composite lumbers. And there's a lot of cool stuff that's happening. It's still not enough, man. Like, no. I, uh, you know, so my, my selfish reasons for reusing the spindles on my deck was so that I can uh, leverage it to buy myself a new surface planer. <laughs> but at the same time, I feel kind of good that, oh, shit, I don't have to throw this wood away. Like, it's it's yeah. good wood. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, you can reuse it. Yeah. Yeah. I just uh, I don't have the time to sand it and all that yep. stuff. Like, Dude, just... there, I can't even tell you how many projects I've been on with architectural design where if you go into an existing building, you're keeping track of – you know what doors are in there what equipment is there what can you reuse because that's going to save you money in the budget i mean yeah. that just makes sense if you can reuse it you want to yeah. and i i think with with the waste that we have i mean that's the same thing if we can reuse it yeah i mean now it has to be held to certain standards right the way that they are producing it in the end the way they recycle it what comes back out has to be held to certain standards in our industry yeah. but once we can get there that's a great I, – I mean, it's, it's going to be – it's going to help us a lot. Yeah. Well, I think this is where modular construction comes into play in prefabrication because it allows us to control the waste segment of this yep. so much better. Yep. Um, you know, that waste is managed on site uh, at, the constru- at, the, at the facility, at the, this, at the, um, the factory, uh, subcontract facility, is, yeah. factory, whatever. Um, so the, the waste is, is drastically reduced. One because there's a there's a, a more mindful approach to the materials that are being used, and two because you know I got to pay ultimately to have that disposed of. Yep. yep. So let's uh you know let's not waste this shit. Let's yeah. uh let's run this through our fabrication database and you know figure out where we need to splice and dice this thing so that we can yep. cut it for the most effective efficient gains and the the least amount of of waste uh, possible. And we're seeing automated. Uh, uh, pipe cutting and all this sort of stuff happened today. So it's just, I don't know, man, like it's, uh, it's taken off. It is. It, it is very much taking off. I mean, people are seeing a lot of value from it. Um, Benefiting from them, man. Yeah, Love dude. It. I mean, construction is chaos if you think about it. And the more that Say you it every can day, control, man. Construction is chaos. the more that you can control, um, the more that you can predict, the more that you can foresee, right? And we're, we're still trying to kind of figure that out. I mean, some of it is going to just be change and adapting to that change, but part of it is knowing what to expect and knowing 
um, how you can adapt to that, right? I mean, that's that's really what it is. If we can recycle it, whatever we can reuse on this and we know that moving forward, we will do that. Whatever we can't, we have to resupply. Cool, let's go. Yeah, I, I completely agree, man. I think um, the process is changing, the landscape is changing. I think uh, prefabrication modular are gonna help us you know, weed out a lot of these things. 40% yep. is a pretty staggering number though. It's very sobering. Um, I, you know, whenever I do a home project and I'm way off, I, I'm always off, but I always try to freaking like get Nat's ass on my materials. Yep. Ultimately, I end up making a damn run to heart, you know, Home Depot. Home or Depot anyways. Yeah. I, yeah. Shit. I'm at, you know, on the weekends, I'm at Lowe's or Home Depot twice a day. It's just, yep. it's just the way it, it happens. Happens. Yep. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in the end, you know, Waste is hard to control, but uh, you got you got to have an exit strategy. So part of it is like, what am I going to do with this waste? What's my what's my plan for this waste if I can't use it on this project? I'm not carrying it over to my next project. Nobody ever really does. You know, there might be some runs that are worth keeping and carrying over, but yeah, you know, a lot of this shit's just going to end up in the landfill. I don't feel like housing it and storing it, you know, to save you know, six potential pieces of lumber for the next project. The rest of this is all odds and ends. What do I do with it? Well, if you kind of figure out what you're going to do with it. So like you mentioned your uh, hippy-dippy uh, planters there, buddy. Yeah, I was yeah. sitting there thinking about all this old deck wood I've got. Um, and it's, you know, some of it's fairly decent out of a 20-foot uh, section or 10-foot section or whatever. You know, half of it's yeah. good. So say five feet of it is good, it's good, eight feet of it's good, whatever. Um well, I was thinking about it. I was like, well, shit, I can make some planter boxes, man. Yes, I can, you can literally use all this Line it with ground. plastic, so then if the chemical, if there's any chemicals in the wood, it won't seep out. That's exactly it. So this is 1998. My house was built 1998. It's uh, definitely freaking arsenic because that's when they yep. use arsenic for uh, pre-treated lumber. Um, I'm gonna line that shit with some uh, some you know, f- you know, thick ass plastic. Ice pond and, plastic. They yeah. ain't getting through that. I'm yeah. Cool. <laughs> yep, I'll, I'll line it with some 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 heavy duty plastic. I'll put some, you know, some Brahma dirt, some good old uh, topsoil in there or something, yep. and uh, compost. Yeah, we'll start growing some stuff. I'm actually looking around my neighborhood, and uh, my house is at the bottom of one hill, but it oversees another hill. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing I'm like that guy over there's just you know made a garden. That guy over there's just made a garden. Like. That guy over there just made a garden. It's it's COVID nineteen. It's making people yep. want to grow their own food, man. It is. Now I'm like shit. All right, let me get on this bandwagon. <laughs> I got all this lumber, man. Might as well do something. Might as well do something. Yeah. Hell yeah. But shit, right. man. We're uh, an hour and forty five minutes in. Yeah, I'm about are. to finish with my last beer. I know we've got uh, three weeks of catch up, but uh, I think we're we'll going to spare so this far. one for the next one. Yeah. We'll have to yeah, spare. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I don't really know the theme of this one. Uh, other than uh, catching up, because uh, <laughs> we talked about everything and anything. But, yeah, uh, I think we did cover some good topics today, though, with modular, prefabrication, scanning, uh, BIM. Waste, yeah. Waste, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I, I do think that we the weather's getting warmer, and uh, we need to start planning accordingly yep. and brew some fucking beer. Dude, I'm down. Let's do it. Let's go with what is actually brewing with it. What is actually? Let's do that, man. Uh, <laughs> you know that 
Uh, if we plan today, we can make this happen in three so weeks. So what are you thinking? What are you going to brew? What kind of beer? <sighs> I'm a sucker for the IPAs now, man. Dude, do, a, do an IPA. I'm always down for like a hazy IPA. I love the hazies, like the tropical hazy IPA. Yeah. Red ales. Oh, I love the porters, though. Ooh, a scotch ale would be good, too. Oh, scotch would be so good. Well, let me wrap up my deck this weekend, and then I'll start okay. thinking about it. I, uh, I, I, oh, I got to get through one project. I got, I, I, got a, I got something for you guys. Everybody out there, because um, I know you were all, maybe not all of you, but most of you are connoisseurs, right? There is a documentary on, I think it's Hulu or Netflix, called Neat. And it's the history of bourbon. It is fantastic. Awesome. Just to give you a um, overview of like what bourbon is, where it started, what the qualifications are in order for it to be called bourbon, you know. And uh, of course, they've got some, you know, little things in here like, of course, uh, so and so um, accidentally, you know, they told him to char the inside of this barrel because there was stuff inside of it, this oak barrel. And, you know, that's, that's how they want to do it. And then they, they got bourbon there or, you know, it's just different, different things. It's, it's very quirky, but it's cool. It's a, it's a good watch. I'll have to check it out. And for those of you that are beer connoisseurs, I suggest you check out this little documentary called the Bruise Brothers. It's not a documentary. I'm just fucking with you. It's a uh, it's uh, made by the same people that made the league and uh, two brothers open a brewery. Uh, I think in Portland, Oregon, if I'm not mistaken. I don't remember somewhere, but uh, it's called Brews Brothers and it's got the same irreverent humor as the league. So if you're into that, check it out, man. Yeah, I have to check that out. All right, Brian. All right, thank man. You very much. Everybody, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we look forward to having you for another episode. Hell yeah. All right, man. Till next week or yep. later this week, whenever we record. <laughs> Peace, guys. Later.